Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenaway finishes up our series, Peace and Pain, where we talk about pain in life and how Jesus is our source of true peace. Dallas talks about depression this week as we look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, verses 3 through 8 and 14 through 16. We see how depression and suicide are not new topics, but even affect Elijah, a man that was used in great ways by God. Dallas talks about how God is not done with us yet and challenges us to remember that God often uses our hard times to produce fruit in our lives. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, so we have peace and pain. This is the last week of this series, right? Uh, technically, it's the last week. Now, next week, I do want to make you aware, our own Brentley Williams, she was up here standing with me uh, doing announcements and doing that silly game. Um, she is going to be teaching next week, which is going to be awesome. So she is not nervous at all. Just kidding. She's really nervous. Uh, but she's going she's gonna to do great. And she's kind of going to do a my story, which you remember my story is where somebody comes up and kind of shares about how they've seen uh, God work in their life. And they kind of sum it up with one word. And Brentley, while she's not technically doing a peace and pain series, uh, sneak peek, a lot of what she's going to talk about has to do with some of the same things that we have been talking about in this series. So it's not technically another week of peace and pain, but there will be some pretty easy tie-ins, all right? So make sure you're here next week to hear from Brentley. I think it's going to be really good. Um, God's been stirring this up in her heart for a while. So uh, today, though, we are in this last uh, technical week of peace and pain. And basically, in this series, we've been talking about anxiety and worry. And uh, one that we haven't touched so much on, but we've, we've mentioned a few times, is depression. And maybe it's not exactly titled that for you, but you have some sort of thoughts or feelings in the realm of those things that you've struggled with or are struggling with or will struggle with. And what do we do with those feelings? What do we do with those thoughts? Uh, Is God still there? Like, is he aware that we are experiencing those thoughts? Does he care? Does God even love me anymore? Maybe that's some of the things that you've thought through, and hopefully this series, and maybe continuing into this morning, will will help you maybe think just a little bit better, or kind of be able to get your head above water and actually see a little bit more of what's going on in your own life and heart, right? Um, so since this is the last week, I kind of just want to make like a final, a final push and a final challenge, because I know that there are many of you out there who are dealing with these things, right? Remember, we kind of talked about anxiety being the intersection of the unknowable and the uncontrollable, right? The unknowable, like when when you just don't know everything that's going on, you can't understand everything that's going on, that causes some sort of stress in your life, right? And then partner that with the uncontrollable where, man, maybe you do kind of know what's going on and you do know what needs to be fixed, but you have no ability to fix it, right? That's when things are out of control. And when those two things collide, that's where anxiety comes in play, right? And you start to dwell on things. You start to overthink things. These thoughts keep you up at night. And a lot of times for us, the things that we think about, that we get anxious about in our minds actually end up affecting us physically. And like I said, we lose sleep over it. We, our appetites change over it. That's kind of anxiety and and worry is kind of somewhere tucked in there as well, right? Just overthinking the unknowable and the uncontrollable. And then there's depression, which is kind of the way I like to describe it. it, it, It's kind of an easy definition for my easy brain, my simple brain, is just prolonged sadness, 
right? Prolonged sadness. And sometimes we're not sure what the reason is for us being sad for a long period of time. Uh, other times it's triggered by something, right? Or, or comes about because of a certain event or series of events in our life. But it's more than just depression. It's more than just like you wake up one day and this terrible thing happened the day before and now you're sad. But then two days later, like everything's kind of back to normal and you're like, you're just yourself again, right? But depression is, no, something happened, a series of events happened, or maybe nothing happened, but for some reason, you, you, like day one, day two, week one, week two, week three, month three, and, and it's just prolonged. Every day you get up and you're like, man, I just, I, just, I, I don't want to do this right now, right? Like every day you wake up, and I know some of you don't like school, and so that's maybe not depression, but, but you wake up and you're like, I just, I just can't deal with any of this right now. Right? So anxiety and depression, and maybe one that we, we haven't talked too much about, and it's a much more sensitive subject, but sometimes those things can take us to a place where actually the guy we're going to look at in the Bible uh, gets to, where it's not just that we don't want to deal with the things in life that we need to deal with, school or friendships or whatever. It's not just that we're like overthinking things and, and being kept up by these things, but Sometimes things in life, and I think we have to admit it, even with middle schoolers, right? Sometimes things in life get so heavy that sometimes we, we just don't want to deal with life anymore. And there's been many instances in the news and even some things local. In fact, I think that, that this just happened for folks at Malden High School, where sometimes people get to the point where they completely check out of life and take their life. Suicide. And maybe you've never even like thought about that, but maybe you've given a little bit of thought to it, right? Or like, I don't know where you fall in that, but all of us in some way, shape, or form have been affected by suicide, either just kind of through the grapevine or maybe somebody in your family or maybe a sibling has gone down that road. I don't know what it might be, but we've all been affected by these things. And so here's my, my challenge in all of this, right? No matter what you're dealing with, if it's the most extreme of that or if it's just, man, sometimes I just, I just get really, really anxious about things that are going on at school. Here's my challenge, my push. You've got to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. The worst thing you can do is let those feelings just bottle up inside of you and you feel like you have to carry the weight of whatever it is to whatever extreme that you feel like you have to carry the weight all by yourself. And I know that some of you have been through this series all few weeks of it, right? And you've heard these things over and over again and you're like, okay, I know I need to do that, but you haven't yet told anybody. Maybe this is the week, and maybe the, the opportunity hasn't presented itself. Sometimes it's not the best thing for you to just share, maybe for you, in front of your entire small group, right? And, and sometimes maybe you're, you're just out there waiting, you're tossing a cornhole bag around, and you're like, man, I just, I would share if somebody came up and asked me, like, how I'm doing. So here, here's, my, here's my push, is don't wait. Don't stand around. Like, go, go and tell somebody. So if it needs to happen after small group and you need to pull your small group leader and just you and them and, and you guys talk about it, if it needs to happen with one of your close friends and just you guys get together and talk about it, somebody needs to know what you're going through. And remember last week we talked about how there's no quick fix. I mean, sometimes God may choose to quick fix it, but we're not promised that, right? 
But we all have people around us who want to walk through those things with us. And maybe you're like, what? I don't, I don't really have. If you're here on a Sunday morning, we put you in a small group. Maybe you've never thought about this, but these leaders, none of them have to be here. None of them. For most of these leaders, the group they're in, they don't even have a kid in that group, right? Like their actual son or daughter is not in that group, and yet they show up. Why do they do that every single week? Because they care about you. Because they love you. We're not paying them, I promise you, right? We barely even pay them in like food, okay? But they're, they're here every single week, and they're here because they care, and they're here for maybe a moment like this today, where you pull them aside and you say, hey, I don't know like how big of a deal it is, but this has just been weighing on me for the last week or whatever it is, right? So tell somebody. This series, the whole deal is not just, hey, get a bunch of information, get some Bible verses in your mind, and then just, man, that's awesome. No, this series is so conversations like this would start to happen because it's a journey and it's a walk. And we want to walk that journey with you. So would you tell somebody? And, and maybe you're still, you're still like, yeah, but, but n- nobody else is dealing with the things that I'm dealing with. Everybody's maybe dealing with it in a different way. But I'm, in just a second, I'm going to ask, and I did it in first service, and it was what we expected. But if, if you've ever dealt with anxiety or worry or depression, any of the things that we've mentioned this morning or mentioned throughout this series, here's what I want you to do right now, if you're brave enough, is just to raise your hand. If you've dealt with any of these things, anxiety, worry, depression, now stop looking at me, keep your hands up, and look around this room. It's pretty unanimous. It's pretty unanimous. It's pretty much everybody in here, right? You, my friend, are not alone. I know that you feel alone. I know that you believe the lies of the enemy who tells you that you're alone. But you are not alone. No, everybody's not dealing with it in the same way regarding the same things. But many of us, most of us, 99% of us are, have dealt with it or are dealing with it. Right? So that's, my, that's kind of my last little push. Like, man, we've got to start talking about this. Because people need, need help. We need each other. Right? Okay, I love you guys. With all of this, <laughs> thank you, my, thank you, my children, you silly, silly people. Uh, with all of this, here, here's what I know. It, it, nearly everybody in the room raised their hand, and so I know that at some point, many of us were probably asking questions like we've asked in this series. Things like, does God care? Will God fix this? Things that we have addressed. And maybe you've asked this question, like you know, like you show up here on Sundays, you, you hear maybe your parents talk about it at the dinner table. Hey, God's got a plan for you. God wants to do great things in your life. God, God uh, you know, has, he wants to use you to glorify him and, and to let other people know who he is for his name, for his fame. And maybe because of your anxiety or depression, whatever label you might put on it, you often ask this question, yeah, but I don't think he can use me. Can he? I mean, you don't know the, the, the darkness that I deal with, the, the things that I hold. 
You don't know the thoughts that go on in my brain. You don't know how damaged and hurt and broken I am. I'm not sure that God can use somebody like me as maybe what you've thought before. And if that's you or if it becomes you, I hope that you'll remember this story and maybe many others like it from the scriptures that we're going to read today. So go ahead and turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. Because just like all of us pretty much raised our hands saying, man, we we're, have experienced something like that. There are people all throughout the Bible who did as well. Some of them we get deeper glimpses into uh, what that looked like and we get a better glimpse into their headspace. And, and this guy, Elijah, not Elijah, all right, we'll talk about him in a second, but Elijah with a J, everybody say Elijah. Elijah dealt with some pretty serious darkness and had at least one moment of pretty serious depression. And I would guess that he had more than just this one, all right? So let's talk about Elijah for just a few minutes. He experienced some incredible things with God, right? Uh, You could start reading in 1 Kings chapter 18 where he experienced one correctly predicting a drought would come, all right? Because he had heard from God. The drought is coming, okay, basically. So, uh, which is, like, that's pretty impressive. Back in the day, they didn't have all the technology and the meteorology that, that we have, right? Is meteorology a word? It actually is, isn't it? Yeah, the study of meteors. And uh, so they didn't have all of that, but he correctly predicted the drought, okay? Now, it's pretty impressive when our weathermen and women actually get this right, okay? But we know that most of them, they're not right all the time, right? Uh, I don't know why I want to pick on him, but Chris Justice has let me down so many times when I thought there was going to be snow, right? And school was going to be canceled the next day. And you're like, yes, Chris, you are my hero. And then you wake up in the morning and your parents are like, put your pants on, you're going to school, right? Because there's no snow. There was like one snowflake in Greenville County that like your best friend caught on their tongue. And then that was the end of it, right? Uh, So the weathermen are not always right. But at least in this case, our boy Elijah was correct. Hey, there's going to be a drought. There's going to be no rain, no water. It's not good for the area that we live in, okay? So pretty cool. He heard that from God. I would say that's a pretty big deal. Heard something from God. Maybe you weren't sure if it was going to happen, and then it did. Yeah, I'd write that in my journal, right? Number two thing you're going to see if you read 1 Kings chapter 18 is that Elijah, God used to raise somebody from the dead, okay? Kind of a big deal. Maybe a bigger deal than the whole drought thing, right? I mean, Jesus raised people from the dead a a little bit, but it wasn't like he was walking around raising everybody from the dead, right? Uh, Well, maybe, maybe not physically, but that's another conversation. But it's not often in the Bible when we see God use somebody to raise another person from the dead, and yet Elijah is a part of that, all right? So drought predicted happened, came true. Raises somebody from the dead. Pretty awesome, like, God highlight moments. Maybe never experience those again. Write that in your journal, okay? Uh, Number three is that he gets to be a part of, which maybe this is the more famous instance for for Elijah, right? But he gets to be a part of this, like, rap battle of the gods showdown, okay? So here's a picture I'll kind of paint. This is kind of the third and final highlight before we get to uh, what actually ends up being darkness, so... You get to see different sides of Elijah here. But basically, there's a group of people who have turned their back on the one true God. 
and they are worshiping Baal, all right, a false god named Baal. And there's literally hundreds of these prophets, and there's just Elijah on the side of the one true God, okay? And the rap battle of the gods is about to take place, and so they build their altars, and this is really to show, like, hey, who is the one true God? Who, who should the people turn to, and who is the false god, right? So the hundreds of prophets get together, and they kind of build their altar. They put some wood down. They, uh, you know, make sure it's dry and everything. They put the bull down uh, for the offering. It was, the bull was already dead, okay? And then, uh, then Elijah is over here doing the same thing on his side, getting the wood ready, putting the bull down for the sacrifice. And here's what they're about to ask for from their gods, okay? Elijah, from the God, is going to ask for fire. Like, God set fire to this offering so that it can be offered to you, right? And so everybody can see that you are the one true God. Literally, like, 450 prophets of Baal, they're going to do the same thing, calling on their God to bring fire, all right? So whoever puts, out the, puts the fire down there first wins, all right? Basically, that's the rap battle here. So the, uh, Elijah says, you guys can go first. All these people, all these prophets start dancing around. They're singing. They're calling on their God to rain down fire. Nothing happens. So they dance some more, right? They actually get a little violent. They start singing maybe louder, calling on their God to bring fire. And this is where it kind of gets funny because nothing happens. And Elijah turns to them and says, hey, are you sure he's not sleeping? Are you sure he's listening? Are you sure he's not leaving, going to the bathroom, right? Like he literally says, you can read it in 1 Kings 18. Are you sure he's not relieving himself? Because he just doesn't seem interested in doing what you're asking him to do, right? It's kind of, it's pretty funny, especially for my middle school boy brain, all right? So, uh, oh, what in the world just happened there? That was, that was alarming. So, uh, Elijah doesn't dance around, but pretty simply asks God, hey, Lord, show up, and boom, right? Like fire shows up. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Elijah takes a bunch of water, pours it all over the altar. Water is not good for fire, okay? Like you're, you want the wood to be dry, okay? I know this because I experienced the opposite of it when I tried to build a fire for a small group that came over the other week. Uh, but you want the wood to be dry and ready for fire, not covered in water, and yet Elijah just covers it in water, so much so it's like pouring out everywhere. And yet still, God shows up, boom, fire everywhere, licks up all the water, and everybody's like, uh, you win, right? And so Elijah, he's just put the one true God on display in front of all these people. He had experienced God showing up and using him to bring somebody back to life. The whole drought predicting scenario went well for him. These are like some highlights. Like if any of this happened for us, we'd probably be like, yeah, uh, God's, God's real, my faith's pretty strong right now, and uh, I can die happy, right? It took a turn for Elijah, though, because people started getting word, hey, Elijah's maybe going to make these people turn away from the rulers at the time, definitely turn away from their gods to the one true God. We got to do something about this. So this lady named Jezebel, which I think Kanye mentions in his new worship album, right? It's another, another top. Maybe we should do a sermon series on all of Kanye's songs. That would be kind of interesting. Uh, it's, it's, guys, that thing fascinates me to no end. Who knows what's going on in his mind and heart, but it is an interesting watch, right? Um, so this, this lady named Jezebel says, we're going to kill Elijah. This can't happen. He can't take away our power. He can't take away our people. And word gets to Elijah that his life is at stake, like, his life is in danger. 
And I don't know about you, but like if you're riding these incredible highs of life, like these incredible men, God showed up moments like I'll never, ever forget these. And then somebody threatens your life. I think you literally walk up to that person and you laugh in their face, right? Like, did you not see God literally use me to bring somebody who was dead back to life? And you think you can... You think you can mess with my God? Did you not see the whole fire? Like, you heard about it, right? The whole fire coming down from heaven. And yet you, man, come on, come on, lady. But Elijah actually has the opposite effect. Or, or he does the opposite of what we would expect, I should say. And instead of, like, trusting in God, instead of, like, God, I know that you're going to take care of this, he actually runs away. And that's where we're at And 1 Kings chapter 19, all right? He's experienced the highest of highs. Now we're about to see his lowest of lows. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Then he, Elijah, was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked, this is where it's the lowest of lows, an insight into what was actually going on in his mind. He asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. So literally, right, he does the opposite of at least what I would expect would happen. Like you've seen God do such amazing things. Why in this moment is he not able to trust in God? So much so that like, I mean, it was a real quick turn right? Real quick downward spiral for this man, because now he, like, it's not like, hey, God, please just take care of this. Please just help me. No, God, take my life from me. And I think, and I know Elijah, he's a prophet, and he lived many years before we do right now, but we're not far from Elijah, at least being a little bit like him. Because I think for all of us in this room, we have things that we can point back to in our life and say, maybe not like raised from the dead or calling fire down, but like, man, God showed up right here. Whether it's for your family and their finances, or maybe it just happened in your small group that somebody just on that particular day, they said something that you needed to hear, and only God knew that you needed to hear it. Or maybe just, it, maybe just an answered prayer on a test, right? A good grade on a test. You're like, man, there's no way I should have. I don't know what it is for you, but there's moments in your life and my life that we can point back to and say, man, God, God did that. He showed up. Then there's also moments in our lives where maybe it doesn't look quite like Elijah's. But from the highest of highs, then we go right to the lowest of lows. Why do we do this? Why does Elijah do this? I think it's because, and maybe I should have brought a little toilet paper roll up here, right? But I think we just get so, we get so tunnel visioned in some of those moments. I'm not saying this is necessarily everybody's reason, right? But I think, I think we get so focused on the negatives that we cannot see any of the positives. And so we dwell on it. We think about it. And we let the negative situation that we find ourselves in or the negative feelings that we're going through, we let those dictate and rule over our life instead of putting the toilet paper roll aside, 
being able to look up and see the bigger picture and allowing God to rule and reign in all those moments. I'm not saying like, man, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. I'm not at all trying to, to blame anybody, but I'm just trying to help you see. I think that this is what's happened because really if Elijah were to look up at this moment and realize like, oh man, yeah, God did just do those awesome things and not be so tunnel visioned on my life is in danger. They're going to torture me. They're, they're upset that I'm taking their power. Like, but that's all that he can focus on until God helps him to literally look up, right? So let's read in verse five. And he, Elijah, lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God, right? So literally, God comes to Elijah in the lowest of low moments, in his tunnel vision moment. I can only see the negative and actually physically calls him via these angels. Hey, look up. I've brought you food. I brought you water. I'm taking care of you. I'm your God. I remain faithful. Look up and remember, you're going to need this for the journey ahead, right? And I wonder if, if that's true of some of us, is that when we get into these moments where we're dealing with all the things that we've been talking about in this series, I wonder what might happen if, if we were able, maybe with the help of somebody next to us, maybe with the help of a small group leader, maybe with just the reminder of, of the scriptures, if we're able to lift our head and remember who our God is, how that might change things. For Elijah, he ends up going to this mountain, Mount, Mount Horeb. And he's going, like to, to his credit, he's going and he's seeking God. And God shows up. And God speaks to him. And from the lowest of lows, here's, here's what God says to him. Or, or rather, here's, Elijah's, here's what Elijah says to him, and then we're going to see God's response, right? In verse uh, 14, still in chapter 19. He, Elijah, said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he goes to God and says, hey, here's the deal. I've, I've loved you. I've been faithful to you. I've wanted the best for your name, for your fame, and yet these people want to take my life. Maybe things are kind of starting to look up, but I would imagine that he still was struggling with this feeling of, I don't, I don't want to go on like this. I don't want this kind of life to, to, to be the only life that I ever have. And God's response is kind of interesting. Because if, if you really were reading it and if you really were focusing, you, you might think that God just ignores what he said. God, my life's in danger. Do something about it. Show up. God, I've been faithful to you. Won't you be faithful to me? God doesn't ignore what Elijah's saying. But I think it's a further call to, hey, look up. There still are things going on here that I have you for. There still is a purpose for your life. If you still have breath in your lungs, Elijah, then I still have a calling for you. So verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, return on your way. This is right after Elijah said those words, right? Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, 
oh, over cereal. Mmm, tasty. Haziel is the king of uh, Captain Crunch, is what we just learned. So Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. Now, this may not be a big deal for us because we don't have kings and all that stuff anymore, uh, but God literally says, he's not ignoring what Elijah says, but he's saying, hey, there's more work to be done. I still have purpose for you, and part of that purpose is that you are going to anoint two kings, Like, you're going to let two people know that they're the next king in line. That's a big deal. But God doesn't stop there, right? So anoint these two kings and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, great name for your first child, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. Get Get to that in a second. God... When Elijah comes to him in his lowest of lows, God lets him know, I still have a plan for you. I'm not done with you yet. And I think that maybe that's something that we need to hear as well. Hey, no matter the brokenness that you feel, no matter the affliction, the pain that you feel like you've been through, No matter the hard stuff, no matter the darkness, no matter what it is, God can still use you and wants to use you. And for Elijah, part of it was anointing two kings, and then don't miss this, part of it was going to the person who was next in line to be the next big prophet of God. Elijah raised up Elisha, right? Told you we'd talk about him. And, and don't miss this, because here's the deal. Elijah, if he had gotten what he wanted to check out of life completely, take my life away, Lord. If Elijah had gotten what he wanted then, there never would have been an Elisha, right? See, God would go on to use Elijah to speak into Elisha so, so that all of his experiences in life and as a prophet and as a man of God could be passed on to Elisha. If there was never an Elijah, if his life had just ended right after Jezebel sent out word to kill him, there never would have been the next guy up named Elisha who arguably was a greater prophet than Elijah before him, right? Here's why that's so important. God used everything in Elijah's life to help somebody else and to raise somebody else up. And I think he wants to use everything in your life to do something similar. There's this quote from a guy named Scott Sauls, right? Says that the best counselors have themselves been in counseling. The people who are the best at counseling and helping other people, you know why they're that way? Because they've been through similar things. And they've received counseling for the darkness and the brokenness and the damaged things in their lives. And now they're being used to speak into other people who are going through the same thing. How might God want to use your pain, your affliction, your struggle in the life of somebody else? See, God often takes our afflictions and uses them to produce the greatest fruit to help a friend, to help a classmate, somebody in your family or on your sports team, 
Maybe somebody that you haven't even met, but they're going to go through similar things that you currently are or have been through, and God wants to use you to speak into them. He wants to use you to bring light to their darkness, like he's done for you. One last thing, and then I'm praying. If you're not convinced that God can take something terrible, something broken, the the worst of the worst, and bring the best out of it, look no further than Jesus giving his life on the cross. The absolute worst moment in human history, God himself, the son of God being killed on the cross, the creator being killed by the created, that's the worst thing that has ever happened in human history, and yet the best has come out of it. Eternal life for those who would put their faith and trust in him. If that's not the worst of the worst, God taking it and using it for the best of the best, I don't know what is. What might he want to do with your worst, with your darkness, with your wrestling, with your struggle? What good might he want to have come from that? Let me pray. God, thank you that you don't just leave us in our darkness, in our valley, in our brokenness. But God, you, you still have purpose for us. You still have life and reason for us here on earth. So help us to remember that in our moments when we most want to be tunnel vision focused on the hard things that are going on in our lives. Help us to remember that you are faithful, that you want to use our struggles for our good and the good of those around us and for your glory. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.